0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham.
1: Oh, Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. Today we're going to talk... You know what we always talk about. USC Trojan football, specifically, we're going to get a lot of defensive talk. I'm joined alongside Connor Morissette, aka Triple Double, here in the uscfootball.com studios. If you're listening to uh, the podcast somewhere, thank you so much for doing that. And if you're watching us live on YouTube or watching the replay on YouTube, thank you for doing that as well. uh, YouTube.com slash Troy. we're over there. Please like and subscribe. Hit that little Bell button so you get a notification when we go live, and hit the the thumbs up button to like the uh, to like the uh, stream. So we appreciate when you do that. Uh, we've got a lot of questions to get to about this USC football team that's six and zero at the halfway point, Bull eligible, heading into the uh, more difficult part of the schedule. So we'll see how the Trojans do uh, from here on out. But uh, there's a lot of great games coming up, including this weekend USC and Notre Dame, arch rival. Notre Dame, if you have questions for the show, podcast at uscfootball.com. Let us know. It's for the Ryan Connor show if you want it specifically for us. Uh, but we have a lot of podcasts on the platform. There's pretty much a podcast going up like every day. So we, you know, the listenership's been through the roof. We really appreciate everyone tuning in and sending in all your feedback and all your questions for all the different shows. So thank you for doing that. And if you'd rather call us, or leave a voicemail, try to keep them brief. Uh, or send us a text, uh, four, two, four, two, five, four, nine, one, four, one is the number. And we got, I think four voicemails today and a bunch of texts. So a lot of people out there are, uh, chiming in and checking in and everything. And we also want to thank, uh, you know, everyone watching over or listening over on Apple Podcasts. If you do have the Apple podcasting app, please leave us a five-star review. And, uh, we do, we'll read them on the air. And we got a few new ones, Connor. Well, anyway, welcome in, Connor. How are you doing? <laughs> Long intro. No no problem. Doing really
2: well. Excited to make the trip to South Bend this weekend. Will be a huge game. Notre Dame coming off a loss, of course, but I still think they'll give USC a great test, especially at home. So really looking forward to that one.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, looking forward to it as well. You've not been to South Bend, right?
2: Correct. Haven't been. And growing up, my dad was a big Notre Dame fan, so watched a lot of them as a child and i'm really just looking forward to not only going to the game but taking in the campus it's too bad it's going to be rainy i hope the rain holds off so i can walk around a little bit but uh yeah never been and really excited for it
1: yeah we're probably going to do a meetup we're going to do a meetup friday night in uh, chicago so check out uscfootball.com or our twitter feeds for that so we'll try to get meet people up connor and i are both flying in with chris uh we get in um friday late afternoon so we'll we'll drive to uh downtown chicago and do some kind of meetup or something so that should be uh should be a lot of fun but anyway i was mentioning the reviews um from uh skiba 24 the best usc podcast long live the helium boys chris and shotgun are extremely knowledgeable and entertaining listening to their podcast is the highlight of my work week keep up the good work well th- i'm glad yeah we the helium boys have been a very popular one so thanks for that one uh slim trojan also had a five-star review um helium boys drop knowledge and a little fun so more helium boy stuff. So were they were they taking us for granted, Connor? What's going on here? I'm just kidding. Maybe um, a little bit, but no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, they, those guys do an awesome job. And JB, class of 8082, says, the trained eye sees a better front four, more pressure for more players. The uh, the, pro- the proposed starting inside linebackers, Cobb and Gentry, have, no, have not virtually played together, I think he means. Uh, Gentry has been out since last season. Cobb missed two games. Tackett is a freshman playing linebacker for the first time in his life. Patience. Damani has actually played better each week. Take away the two slips against Colorado. He would have had another great game. So he was he he this was for Tunnel Vision with Connor. So um he he likes when you're on tunnel vision, I guess. So Thank you. JB. he changed his class. He he his his username is JB class of eighty eighty two and he signed it JB eighty one eighty three. So I don't know, maybe he's a little confused. <laughs> but that's okay. Um, Thank you for the reviews. We do appreciate that. And uh, thanks to uh, our sponsor, Trader Joe's. Um, Many, many years they've been with us and we uh, roll with Trader Joe's and it's funny everywhere. I I talk to people and they're just huge fans of Trader Joe's. And I told uh, Connor before we went on uh, that before we started recording, I'm redoing my kitchen, so I'm going to be living off some Trader Joe's. Going to have my fridge like in my living room right now because it's t- you know so I'll, it's, it's going to be a bunch of Trader Joe's food that I can kind of nuke up real quick and uh, go from there. So Trader Joe's will be helpful for over the next couple of weeks till I get my whole kitchen back.
2: Shout but- out to Trader Joe's. Yeah, good luck with all that, Ryan. Sounds like it's been a big process.
1: Yeah, you know I don't know it's just. Something you got to do every once in a while. So, uh, yeah, my neighbor did it. and looked amazing. I'm like, I'm going to do that too. So that's where we are with that. Um, okay, so we got a lot of stuff um, to get to today, Connor. There's just been, I mean, it's been a nutty sort of week. Uh, triple overtime game, USC, Arizona. The fans were not, it was, it was like the second week in a row where fans for both sides were probably upset, like Colorado having that big comeback and then falling short. I mean, you can get like a moral victory or something. <clears throat> and then Arizona having a 17 nothing lead and having the ball and losing that game, um, yeah, they're they're not – I mean, they felt like they could win that game. A lot of bad decisions, I think you could say, from uh, Jed Fish, uh, the head coach of of Arizona. I think he'd like some of those back. Not Mario Cristobal-level bad decisions, but like, you know, some bad ones. Probably should have went for two right after uh, the first overtime and just ended it right there. But a lot, whatever. I mean, that not really pushing it when they had that 50-yard field goal. There was a lot of things that I think Jed Fish could have done better. A lot of things USC could have done better. So everyone kind of comes away from that one not feeling uh, great. But, the, I mean, when we have the press conference afterwards, Connor, and both Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley are talking about how the defense saved them. And I can see some of their points, but there was also, I mean, a lot of issues on the defensive side of the ball too. And I I think the general theme for this show, this podcast, I wanted to be, I mean, I'm listening to other podcasts and if it's a national podcast and they mention USC, they just say they don't play defense. I mean, that's just like sort of the general, um, it's, it's the consensus. It's really what everyone thinks. The fan base doesn't want to see USC go forward with Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator, for the most part. Everyone's upset the way the defense is playing to the point where they're, Complain about the offense because it doesn't help the defense and all, all this stuff going on. So you have all this. And then when you hear from the players and coaches at USC, the defense is a lot better. Things are just, you know, there was just this little thing, this little thing. It seems to be a big disconnect between what's going on inside the USC football program and what they're, at least the perception is. For all the untrained eyes outside of the program, if that makes sense.
2: Absolutely. And Lincoln Riley hit on that yesterday. He was asked about the perception of the defense and or people in the media not getting it when it comes to the USC defense. And Riley said a lot of people in the media had their mind made up that the first second there was any adversity this year. Oh, my God, they should have done this or they should have made this change and blah, blah, blah. And it's not true. So he's frustrated. He mentioned it after the game. Caleb Williams mentioned it after the game. Riley went on a big spiel. It was like three minutes talking about the perception of the defense. I wrote about it yesterday, so I won't read the whole thing. It was way too long. Uh, But yeah, so I think there is certainly a disconnect, Ryan. And I kind of agree with everyone who's criticizing the defense because I think the last three weeks, the USC defense, well, yeah, there's a lot of moving parts, new pieces. I get it. They had – it was their fourth, fifth, and sixth game against – solid to good opponents in the Pac-12, and you had a chance to, at least in one of those games, play a complete defensive game, and they didn't do it. Played a great fourth quarter defensively against Arizona State, played a solid first half against Colorado, played a good middle of the game defensively against Arizona, but in really critical moments in all three of those games, the USC defense had a chance to make a big play that could have potentially ended the game sooner. And they weren't able to do it. So I think the criticism is totally warranted. And yeah, the team's six and zero, but does it feel like they're trending in the right direction? It
1: certainly doesn't to me. No, I agree with you there. Um, the feeling of you want this team to be sort of getting better. And I feel, I mean, I trust, like Lincoln Riley is one of the best coaches in college football. You know, you got to If you're a USC fan, you got to be happy. He's your head coach. You got to trust him and all this stuff. But then, you know, it's everyone makes mistakes. No one's above reproach here. And, I just feel like there's this narrative that's uh, it's it's a bit of a disconnect for me. Just not being able to see that, like we've seen. You know, if you just look at this Arizona game, um, you know, looking up the stats, like okay, so the the starting running back Wiley is out. Coleman comes in, twenty two rushes, one hundred and forty three yards, average six and a half yards a carry. So this is the backup running back. Your backup quarterback you know career game for him 25 of 35 302 yards five touchdowns you know they picked him off once um you know passer rating 50 points better than what Caleb Williams had it just seems like you have these guys you know Cowing 10 catches 87 yards four touchdowns you know and he missed half the game with an injury yeah like so you're seeing these sort of like epic performances i'm going to write something on this too i've been trying to it's just been a busy week but um And that's what I think it's – there's, you know, 500 yards to Arizona, and I know there's overtime and stuff. We can talk about that too. It just seems like a good defense wouldn't allow this. And it seems like this happens every game. Like someone or some people just go off and they have their, like, career nights against the USC defense. And I I think you can look at it from different ways, and there's different ways to, like, break down your statistics and spreadsheets and all this kind of stuff. But – just from the our untrained eyes, like why is that happening? Why did Cowing and Coleman and Fafita like all have like their best games like against USC? Um, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense.
2: How about Nick Nash against San o- or for San Jose State against USC? Caught three touchdowns. Hasn't caught a touchdown since. If you have any sort of offensive talent and you play against USC, you're going to have a good game. That's just been the precedent. Stanford down a quarterback. They were in trouble. Nevada, not very good. USC uh, blew those two teams out. Credit to to them for for doing really well. But in every other game, there's been a career performance from someone. And Cam Scadaboo averages most yards per carry, the Arizona State running back. So I think that's part of it, too. Lincoln Riley says people in the media have it wrong, but when people are having career games consistently against your defense, how is that possibly a
1: good sign? Yeah, no, it doesn't seem – it just doesn't seem (laughs) – it doesn't seem very good. And there there is a disconnect. And I feel like this is one of those deals. Um, we're not going to know stuff about certain teams. Like, we saw Texas and Alabama play. And, okay, that was cool. And when and you see Oklahoma beat Texas, and that's a feather in Oklahoma's cap, Michigan's, like, probably one of the best teams in the country, and they haven't played anybody yet. So you're, you're waiting to see. Georgia's, like, you know, they've been – playing even with some bad teams, and then they play a ranked team in Kentucky and just blow them out of the water. So you feel like Georgia's good enough that they can turn on a switch when and not play to the level of competition all the time. When it's like, oh, Mark Stoops, one of the highest paid coaches in the SEC, I'm going to turn on the switch and beat them 50 to 13 or whatever the heck. It was something like that. It was something crazy. I think they won by like 38 points. Is USC, and we've seen like Laker teams and stuff do that, you know, just like, oh, flick a switch and here you go. Is this USC team good enough to do that? Where you're playing down to, you know, the mediocre competition. Um, You know, maybe Colorado's a little better than we thought, Uh, but the first part of the schedule, everyone felt this USC should go six and zero. They are six and zero. Now you get the tougher parts. You know, you get ranked Notre Dame. You get ranked Utah. Um, You know, Oregon and Washington are both top ten teams. UCLA just beat a ranked team. They're ranked. Um, You know, Cal's bad, but. Five ranked teams in the last six games. So, this is kind of where the rubber meets the road. Do you have a bad defensive performance against Notre Dame that hasn't been lighting it up on offense? We saw Louisville like, you know, pick them off. Like, I think Sam Hartman got picked off like three times or something. Um, there's other teams have been able to slow down certain areas of, you know, good opponents' games. Arizona did a really nice job. Penix didn't throw a single touchdown. Can USC defense do that? Can they take away the run game and tight end play from Notre Dame and make them hit their wide receivers, which they haven't been very good at? Like, can this defense do that? Or does the clear strength of Notre Dame just like run through like Swiss cheese? They run the ball, they get like 300 yards rushing, and their tight end is like 100 yards receiving. Like, that's what I think USC fans are afraid of. And I guess if USC limits Notre Dame, then you're like, all right. I'll agree with you. Your defense is better. But if not, if the same stuff happens again, it just sort of makes all the stuff that noted like the USC coaching staff has been talking about sort of mute point, like, okay, well, this is when you really need to show up and you didn't. And we think you didn't show up the other games, and you're saying that you did, and now the big game comes up and you didn't there. So I, I feel like this is sort of like the this is the litmus test, right This is what you're gonna if you can do it in this game, then I think you're gonna get the benefit of the doubt. If not, When you do it against like Nevada or something, like whatever, but you got to do it again. If you can do it against Notre Dame, I think people will believe, okay, I think the defense is better if that makes sense.
2: Absolutely. And even if the defense doesn't play great and Caleb Williams and the offense has a great night and USC wins in a higher scoring game, this is a win at all cost game and the style points don't really matter. I think part of the reason the team's gotten so much criticism the last few weeks is because USC should be way better than Arizona State, way better than Colorado, and way better than Arizona. And they just weren't. Notre Dame, they've had some issues, but recruiting wise, talent wise, fairly similar. Both top 25 teams. It's on the road. USC hasn't won there since 2011. So even if the defense underperforms a little bit and USC walks away with a win, I think no matter what, we'll be feeling good about them because they'll have beaten a ranked team on the road. So I agree with that. The USC defense doesn't have to be perfect, but the performances that they've had the last few weeks, have those been good enough to beat Notre Dame? I don't really think
1: so. We'll see what happens Saturday. For sure. Um, we had a comment. And if you are watching us live on YouTube, thank you for that. Well, we got a bunch of people. Oh, we got like 140 people or something watching. Thank you uh for doing that. But if you put comments on there when I'm not talking, I will try to look at them and put them up on the screen. But we will any questions we'll try to get to as well, even though we already have a lot of questions. Paul says if Notre Dame wins, they will vault to number 10 to 12. If USC wins, we'll fall to 24. No, and that so. That was because you were playing you know, inferior opponents. You're now playing ranked teams. You're playing teams, you know, Notre Dame went toe to toe with Ohio State. You're now in the zone where if you beat Notre Dame by a single point and it was like because of a fumbled two point conversion and you ran the other way, it doesn't matter. Like this is one of those things where you beat Notre Dame on the road, it counts. Like you're not moving down, you're moving up. You move down because you look bad against inferior opponents. You don't that that won't be an issue going forward because there's no more inferior opponents. I mean, outside of Cal, um, if you beat Cal by a point, maybe you drop a little bit, but you've you're just beat, you know, you'd beaten Notre Dame and Utah, like you're moving up. You, USC is in control of its own destiny because of the schedule that's left. If they win those games, you're gonna be, you know, in the top, whatever. Um, it's just set up that way, but if you lose those games, it's probably gonna hurt more because. You didn't look great against the bad teams, and if you lose to the good teams, then it's like, okay, well, uh, this team is not as good as we thought. And so now this is Lincoln Riley's chance to prove to everyone this team is as good as they think it is, and the defense isn't as bad as everybody's saying it is. is.
2: Absolutely, and they have it all in front of them, like you said. Ryan, I think one sequence in that Arizona game that caught my attention and is a big part of why I've been so critical of the USC defense – they had a chance on that fourth quarter, fourth down touchdown play that Noah Fafita threw to Jacob Cowing, and then Arizona went for two to tie the game. If the defense gets a stop there, USC probably wins and it doesn't go to overtime and the defense is what won them the game. And I would have agreed with Riley and Caleb Williams after the game. If, if you make that stop, OK, that would have been a turning point and I would have been really impressed. But. What do they do? They have 10 guys on the field and then they have to take a timeout. Coming out of the timeout, they have Bryson Shaw who struggled in coverage the last few weeks going up against Jacob Cowing in the end zone and I gotta have it play. He beats him easily after about two seconds when Jamil Muhammad, if the coverage was better, maybe Fafita would have had to have kept the ball because Muhammad was coming down on him. Touchdown. And then they run a similar play to get the two-point conversion. That was a critical moment and I felt like that could have been the turning point of the USC defense this season. They get a stop there, just a massive, massive momentum shift and... USC goes on probably to win the game in regulation. Instead, they make a mistake. They make another mistake on the two point conversion. Don't execute. Arizona ties the game, and eventually it goes to overtime. I think that was a big reason for me why I thought, okay, you know, you had your chance. USC's defense to really turn things around, and they didn't take it there.
1: Yeah, uh, we're getting some comments in the YouTube room uh, about controlling your own destiny and voter bias and stuff. It literally, it doesn't matter going it. The AP poll doesn't matter anyway, Um, but it will reflect sort of where, you know, the perception of USC is. USC was the highest ranked Pac-12 team for a while until they didn't look that good. And Oregon looked good. And, uh, you know, Oregon beat the crap out of Colorado and USC, you know, won by a touchdown. You look at that kind of stuff. But now you're going to be playing good teams. So all you got to do is beat these teams and you will be ahead and USC for sure control. Like there's no question the Trojans don't, you know, they control their own destiny. One zillion percent. Like they control their own. De- if they went out, they're in the playoff. Like there's no question about that. So, I mean, I don't know what you're, if you're just kind of doom and glooming it to the point where you're like, Oh, it's, everything's bad. You're playing all these ranked teams and you're already a top 10 team. Like if you were ranked 30 and you had these ranked teams, you would got, jump into the top four. Um, USC is already top ten. They beat all these teams. They they one zillion percent control their own destiny.
2: Even with one loss, they probably do as well. There yeah. is a interesting scenario where you know Oregon beats USC, but USC beats Washington, and Washington beats Oregon, and those teams all play each other, and it, it gets really tricky as to who makes the Pac twelve championship at the end of the year. But if USC goes on, they lose one game, still win the Pac twelve championship. That's a playoff team no matter what as well in my opinion.
1: For sure. Yeah. There is like this kind of circle yeah. of death in the in the Pac-12 right now cuz you have Oregon, Washington, and USC that haven't lost. UCLA looked really good um on defense. Yeah, on defense. They played <laughs> Washington State, but like Utah beat um UCLA and UCLA beat Washington State, Washington State beat Oregon State and Oregon State beat Utah, so you have like this kind of circle. They all have one loss, and it's kind of crazy that that I just rattled that off. The Not, of yeah, nice job, pretty, pretty good. Uh, that's the podcast of champion stuff coming out there. So how do you like? And but UCLA probably looks the best of all those teams right now, um, just the way you know defensively they looked really good. So we'll kind of see um, where that goes. But yeah, USC's got a really tough slate coming up. Um,
2: it's the toughest in college football.
1: Yeah. So there's uh there's that, and then you know once once the The playoff rankings are what count, right? So the AP doesn't matter that much. They kind of reflect it. But USC will have a resume when that, I think, is it a couple weeks, I think? So, like, if USC beats Notre Dame and, and Utah, they'll be, you know, right up there. And then they still have chances of top 10 teams to play. So they would definitely, you know, they're playing the teams around them or above them. Like, yeah, like, that's how this works. You just have to win. You have to win the games. If you don't win the games, then it doesn't really matter. But there's no like, oh, USC is going to win all their games and and be on the outside looking in like if you're thinking that, like no. Like that's just no, that's just not true.
2: I don't get all the confusion with why they've fallen in the poll despite winning. It's been obvious. They've been these massive favorites and they're just eking out these wins. Arizona State, what was it? 34 and a half and they won by 14. People get mad at me when I talk about the spreads, but that's a part of it. Vegas determines how much you should win by. And that's kind of the metric for if you look good or not, love it or hate it. That's the truth. And in the last three games, USC just hasn't really come close to covering those spreads. So that's why they, they should have been a lot better in a lot of these games on paper. And yeah. uh, it just hasn't been, been the case.
1: Yeah. It's, it's like a handicap in golf or whatever, you know? Yeah, know, it's like, exactly. you're, you're not playing, uh, you know, if you're a scratch golfer and you're 10 over par, you're like, okay, well you didn't play anywhere near what you're supposed to do, you know? And, Um, So that's sort of like the perception of what, you know, where you should be. And if you're not beating those teams that badly, then, you know, are you really that good? I think USC can still really be that good. And there's a level of just playing to your, your scratch, scratch golfer, and you're playing with a hack and you're sort of hacking it up. (laughs) And I feel like USC sort of hacked it up some and. Maybe I'm completely wrong. I've been really bad about predicting USC in the spread. I was re- the best on the site last year. This year, no, they're not really covering the spread very much. Um they're not playing up the sort of the potential that I saw them. But I feel like they're still, you know, the, the people are like, "Oh, they're going to lose all these games." They might. They they could. But they could win them all too, and that's where this isn't there's enough talent on this team that they can turn that switch on and rise up and play really well in all of these games. Notre Dame's lost a couple already. You know, Utah's offense looks pretty bad. And if they don't have Cam Rising back, it's a different team, especially in LA. You win the next two games and you're like, oh, you got Cal. And you're like, okay, well, now what? Now you're going to be like 9-0 and going into the, the Washington, Oregon. Is, it, is that right? Does that go? But I got the schedule right. Is it Cal? Uh, I got it right here. So
2: Yeah, Cal, Washington, Oregon. Yeah,
1: so like Notre Dame – Utah, you know, Notre Name's I think they're really talented team and they can they could probably exploit some of the USC stuff that other people have with more talent, but they've lost a couple games, you know. Utah's not been the same without Cam rising. They're certainly not the same um away from home. And then, you know, going on the road to Cal, who's, you know, they've they've actually been scoring some points. Um, That's a
2: sneaky tough spot for USC in the midst of all these really hard games, right. I think.
1: But those are all winnable games USC is like a slight underdog against Notre Dame they'll be a favorite in the other two if you're like 9 and0 going into Washington Oregon uh, and UCLA like that's a tough stretch obviously but man like that's you got I think the fan base would feel a little bit different so you got to go out and, and get a win this weekend you don't want to get too far ahead but these are winnable games you know um, USC doesn't you know they if they play to the level of competition they're going to play better against Notre Dame. So we'll kind of see. Um, I want to give an injury update, um, Connor? Because and we had a lot of people in the the, the chat asking about uh, Zachariah Branch. It's not Zach Branch; it's Zachariah Branch. So he likes to be Zachariah. Um, you missed the last couple of games. Probably could have used him. I don't know if I would have thought that was the case heading into this, but um, we haven't seen the receivers been, you know, maybe as elite as we. Potentially thought they were, but Zach Branches Zachariah Branch, myself, <laughs> is an elite uh, athlete there. But you want to give everyone the kind of an update on the injury situations.
2: He was not a full participant at practice yesterday, even though he was there. In past weeks, he hadn't been catching passes during the media portion that we're able to see, and yesterday he was. So I think that's a good sign. But then after practice, Lincoln Riley said he wasn't a full participant. So we'll see. If he was a full participant, I'm sure he would be playing for sure Saturday. Riley didn't really get into the chances of him playing. I'd put it right now at
1: 50-50. And what about some of the other guys?
2: Some of the other guys. Christian Roland Wallace wasn't a full participant either. Those were the two guys that Lincoln Riley talked about. Christian Roland Wallace got a little banged up. A few other injuries in the secondary uh, last week. Damani Jackson didn't play. It looks like he'll likely be back this week so that's good in the secondary that's a, a big boost for usc and then there are a few other players riley didn't talk about so i don't think we're supposed to discuss them unless he brings them up so we'll, we'll see i don't think they're going to be totally healthy heading into this game and if a lot of guys do play they're still going to be banged up
1: yeah so it looks like you get the Monte jackson back um potentially so that's good but yeah they got they get the there were some Issues at the cornerback spot, and he you know, he talked about that sort of like some contingency plans, I guess, to play some of those guys. Talked
2: about potentially moving a safety over. I don't know exactly what that would look like. I think unless someone gets hurt in the game, if Damani Jackson's back, they'll have enough, especially just natural corners, to get yeah. through that game. So I don't know how big of a concern that is. Of course, you want to be totally healthy, Notre Dame's wide receivers aren't fantastic. It's the tight end you have to worry about with right. them. I think I saw some crazy stat there. Tight end has moved the chains like nine times, one guy, and that's more than the receivers combined. So th- their receivers haven't done a whole lot. Y- yeah. You hope you could get by with limited cornerback play against Notre Dame, but you never know. It's a tough place to play.
1: That's of those things like – so Colorado was not very good at running the football. <laughs> they ran the football very well. Like like, What you don't want to have happen is like the – Notre Dame wide receivers just don't catch a lot of passes. They don't move the chains, like you said, and have them go off and be like, "Wait a second, this isn't a very good group." And they had their best game against USC. That's when that kind of stuff happens. That's where uh, I, I mean, it really upsets the fan base, and it you know adds to the perception. I think you know when Riley talked about that, there was like these preconceived notions that the defense was going to be bad.
2: Which I mean, is not true. They have so many transfers and I think both of us have been, been fair. them like, like. Let's just see. We'll give them time. Six weeks to, against an easy part of the schedule to start the year. Let's see how it looks. And then the last three weeks, it just hasn't looked very good against the tougher teams on that easier part of the schedule. So it's still early. They're still gelling. But these six weeks, it was supposed to look better these six weeks because these were the easier games. So I, I just push back against that. We yeah. certainly gave them the benefit of the doubt because or not the benefit of the doubt, but just we gave them a chance because there's been so many changes to the defense. And you know, the numbers are the numbers. I think they're like a hundred and something in yards per game allowed and over sixtieth and points per game allowed. Like
1: it just hasn't been as good as it probably should be. I don't think that's very controversial. No, and I I feel like we and we're giving our opinions from what we see. We talk to these Players and coaches a lot. You get a feel for what's going on. And I think both of us, you could say, we're sort of like championing the idea that this is going to be a better defense. And it statistically is, but the the harder part of the schedule is coming up. And if some people are using like total defense, and it's like, that's not really a, a great stat, just whatever. But um RJ Abadia did a great job of some of the advanced stats, and it's getting, it's definitely trending the wrong way. They're giving up more yards per drive, and it's getting um, or points per drive, and it's get you know it's getting close to what it was last year when it was pretty bad. And it started off good, and then it's gotten worse as they played better competition. The competition is going to go way up. So if they can stay the same or get a little better, that's good. But if it gets significantly worse, then you're going to say statistically it's worse than um, last year. So it's just kind of one of those things where we were behind it, saying, "Look, we think this defense is going to be better, given the benefit. Like, if you want to say it's benefit of the doubt, or." that that's sort of in our opinion like i think this is going to be better and we've seen just a lot of the same stuff um and it's it's that's what's sort of frustrating because you're just like waiting it's all you want someone to make like a statement you know and this like oh yeah we're coming back and if you you know if if uh your girlfriend's gone out and got like you know every time she goes to santa monica to go out with her girlfriends, she gets a parking ticket and you're like okay and we, we've talked about this and you know you're going to get a boot on your car and then she goes out and gets another parking ticket like well but you don't understand like the the meter the sign said it was this and it should have been like no you've already had a lot of parking tickets like so just figure out a way not to get another one like i don't need an excuse of why the sign was obscured by a tree like i feel like that's sort of what we're getting is like you can sort of like nitpick to why this was a little bit better but just be better like be significantly better and then leave no doubt you talk about you know, don't let the coaches make a 50-50 decision on play, you know, if a player should play or not. Like, don't make, don't leave it up in the air that if you think that the, the general perception is the defense is going to be bad by being good. And they, they, you can't argue they've been good, you know. And I feel like that's what you wanted to see in some of these games. They've had good stretches or they've done some good things. But, you know, if the running back, the backup running back, the backup quarterback and the star receiver all have their best games – like, what did you do well? Like, I don't know what you did well.
2: I agree. The pass rush has been better. It's been deeper. But I think you're second to last in the conference in rushing yards against. So while the pass rush is better, there's some spots on the defensive line where you'd want to see some improvement. The linebackers, I don't think you can say they've been very good. In the secondary, they've had some moments. Jacoby Cummings, to nice pick against Arizona, but they've had some other not-so-good moments. Bryson Shaw's performance against Colorado comes to mind. So I think... There is one area of the defense that's pretty clearly improved, that that pass rushing, and, and I think your edges have been great. Everywhere else, not the step forward that I think most of us anticipated.
1: Yeah. Um, we have a, a, a absolute ton of questions. Um, is there anything else you want to kind of discuss? No, let's get into the questions. We can do that. So what? Well, let's do this. We'll take a quick break. We will come back, and as soon as we do, we'll get into a lot of the questions. If you are l- watching us live, I think we have over 200 people now. Thank you so much for doing that, taking time out of your day to uh, be live with us. Put question in the front, and I'll try to start and get back to it um, uh, later on. But we got a lot of voicemails and emails to get to. We will do that all after this break. Back in a minute.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
1: All righty, we're back here on the uh, Parastyle Podcast. Um, yeah, we got a lot of fun stuff to get to. Aaron had a comment in here. Uh, As of right now, USC looks like the third best Pac-12 team, and your analogies are weird. Oh, thank you. I do lose a lot of analogies. <laughs> uh, but hopefully it helps you kind of understand uh, the way I'm looking at things. It's really perception versus um, you know, what we really are seeing on here. And no, I have you know USC. You could argue could be the fourth best looking team right now. Um, UCLA, you know, has looked really good even though they went on the road and lost uh, at Utah. But all that changes when you're playing good teams. Like it's it's very subjective when you're playing bad teams, and that's what USC's played. You're going to play. You know, Colorado was ranked for a little bit when they were three and zero. They're four and two now. Like they're not they're not terrible, but the record of the other USC teams is really bad. Um, you know, Arizona state is one, one game. Stanford's one, one game with Nevada. has had not won at all, or they're one and four or San Jose state's one and five or something like they're, they're bad. Like a lot of these teams are bad. So yeah.
2: They, no, I agree. They're
1: bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So, so you could say, well, they look like the third best team right now. Does that freaking matter at the halfway point in the season? It doesn't matter if you look at that, you know, if you look like that, like there's times teams look bad. Um, and then. They just play better when they play better teams. And that's if you're a USC fan, that's kind of what you're hoping for.
2: One thing that's annoyed me too, people point to the uh the Washington, Arizona game. Like, oh, Washington was really close with Arizona. Washington was in control of that game from the opening kickoff till they fumbled at the at the goal line to go up by three scores right at the end of that game. Like Washington played a way better game start to finish against Arizona than USC did. People just look at the final score and they say, oh, it was close and, and Arizona was at home and they could have won at the end of the game. If you watch that game, Washington, they just took what Arizona's defense gave them. They looked a lot more consistent on offense. Defensively at the end, there were a few issues, but they played way better against Arizona than USC did, and I don't think that's debatable.
1: Yeah, and that was on the road. Um, okay, let's go. But they, but Arizona's defense did play really well against them. Pennix didn't throw a touchdown. Um, but they played
2: good against them. I I wouldn't say really well. They they just took the underneath stuff and they 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 were almost up at the end of the game, twenty one points, and then they had a fumble and Arizona went the, the distance. So I guess that put them in a position to win. But they just limited the explosive plays really well. I wouldn't say the defense overall was was fantastic. It, yeah. it was good.
1: Yeah, but that, to limit explosive plays against a team that generates a lot of explosive plays, they're doing something right. Yeah. like you know. All right, here's the first voicemail.
3: Hey, Ryan. First of all, I hope that uh, you could use this for Sunday night's show. This is Thomas from Malibu. Wow. First of all, what a game yesterday. What a hot mess. Uh, but the boys won. And I love all the keyboard warriors on the peristyle and the Paul Fein bombs and everyone else. Listen, has it been ugly the last three weeks? It's been ugly. But you know something? Good teams, good programs find a way to win. Now, I Watched a lot of football the last few weeks. And I'm telling you, we could lose to Notre Dame or we could go to South Bend and win by three touchdowns. They got a lot of flaws just like we do. And I I will tell you, that goes for all the the opponents. The only game that I see that's really going to take a huge lift to win is going to be Oregon up in Eugene. But I think Notre Dame, I think Utah, Cal obviously, UCLA. We're gonna be just fine in Washington at home, I'm happy with. So again, everyone step away from the window. Lincoln Riley, the last time I checked, is seventeen and three. I remind Harvey Hyde of that. As for some reason, uh we're now comparing Harvey Hyde's career and Lincoln Riley's career, which I don't like. But point being is he's seventeen and three, got a long way to go in this season. Let's see how it plays out before we jump off the building. Anyway, Tom is from Malibu, love the show. Thanks, guys.
1: Thank you, Thomas, for that one. Uh, any thoughts, Connor? That's how
2: I felt probably three weeks ago after the bye week. But coming out of the bye, I definitely think the Washington game is tougher than I thought it was going to be. Playing Oregon on the road, I gave USC a, a definitely a, a chance. Now I'd be pretty surprised if they won that game. I think Notre Dame looks a little tougher. So, yeah, they controlled their own destiny, and it certainly could be okay. And they And they definitely could win all these games, but I don't know – Based on the last three weeks, what people are looking at that makes them say, oh, I feel so good about all these games, maybe throughout the Oregon game now. I'm more concerned about a lot of these games,
1: not just the Oregon one. Yeah. All right. Uh, But thanks for the call there. Steven Poway wrote in, uh, Caleb Williams did not seem quite right on Saturday when it came to throwing the ball. And I believe his game stats reflect reflect that fact. So when he dove over the goal line with the ball, just barely crossing the line, I noticed – His throwing hand was taped up with white tape on his right pinky finger or his throwing hand. I don't recall anyone on the broadcast or otherwise commenting on that, which I thought was strange after I saw it. Do you think this might have affected his throwing accuracy at all, particularly early in the game when he was sailing balls a little, possibly overcompensating? And do you know when or how he injured that hand? I know it's his pinky, but it is his throwing hand. Lincoln Riley is very cagey about reporting injuries. And now you guys have some restrictions on what you can report as well. This was obvious to anyone watching at home. Thanks, Steve, in Poway. You know, I have a. If you're watching on YouTube, I have a photo. Let's see if uh, if you can see uh, that one. I
2: don't know when or how it got hit. I believe he was in the medical tent at halftime for a little bit. I don't know if that was to check on someone else or if they were taping him up during that moment. Maybe that had something to do with it. I think. Certainly it's a factor for him not making some of the throws we're used to him making. I also think Arizona's cornerbacks did a really nice job on USC's receivers, and a lot of the time the receivers just weren't open. We saw Brendan Rice make a couple of really nice contested catches, and he was just taller and could jump higher than some of those Arizona cornerbacks on those plays. Guys just weren't as open as they usually were. And that, I think, was the bigger reason as to why. But I don't exactly know how big of an, uh, an issue the pinky was. And certainly that could have been a factor.
1: Yeah, I'm putting the picture up on YouTube now if you're watching. And you can – he's got like a pink uh, toe, uh, toenail – a fingernail on that pinky. is throwing pinky. And you can see some tape there. But, um, yeah. Oh, we had a comment from uh, Adam. PTSD, quote, control your own destiny. So this is before your time, Connor. This is a very different situation, Adam. Uh, so if if something happens now that was sort of triggering, um, I think what was the uh I don't think it was situational awareness. It was mock game week. People or situational got, mastery, that's too. Si- yeah, situational mastery. Uh mock game week, people didn't like to hear that. Control your own destiny is basically what Clay Helton would say after they lost a couple games, but things sort of worked out that if they happened to win the rest of them, they still control their own destiny. This is completely different. You're six six and oh. Like, this is, uh, you haven't lost yet. This isn't, you're not trying to salvage something by saying control your own destiny. You just do. Um, So, I think that would be a little different. Uh, Let's go to this one.
4: Hey, Ryan and Connor. This is uh, Dylan from Albuquerque calling in. Hey, I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on what uh, Lincoln Riley said after practice yesterday. Um, I thought he made a really good point and I didn't hear the guys talk about it on instant analysis. Um, I like what he said about if, you know, if they could have just made the chip shot, chip shot, chip shot, sorry, field goal at the end of the, uh, end of the game there, the story would have been that the defense gave up 11 points over the final three quarters. And I'm just wondering if that's something internally that the defense is, is using to motivate them coming away from this game and moving forward because I was trying to think if they're, was any other stretches over the first six games of the season where they did only give up 11 points over three quarters. Um, I have to go back and look, but, you know, it seems like that is a pretty good positive because you can't really control an um, overtime. It's not like they're giving up long drives. You know, it starts with the 25 and goes in. So just want to get your guys' thoughts on that, what you said um, about those final three quarters. Thanks.
2: It's factual, but it totally discounts the 17 to nothing hole they were in. So I, get it but i don't love those comments especially when mason cobb is covering jacob cowing on one of the touchdowns and Jamil muhammad is trying to stay with the arizona tight end on another one those were just kind of straight up coverage busts which that's a big problem did they play a lot better in the middle of the game yes did a lot of that have to do with jacob cowing the top receiver for arizona being out of the game on a lot of those drives it had to have but credit to usc for for buckling down i'll just go back to what i said earlier i thought For that comment to have have just, you know, for for me to have bought into that comment more and it would have changed a little bit because they would have given it fewer points. But it all goes back to that fourth down touchdown that Arizona had. If you get that stop, then I think it turns from a bad defensive start to a good defensive performance overall instead of a shaky defensive performance overall with some good moments.
1: Yeah, agree with you there. Uh, We got a text from Sheldon in Riverside. What up, guys? Uh, Dr. Borsky here. Is Lincoln Riley having a tough time scheming guys open without Zachariah Branch, or is this just a consequence of poor offensive line play along with the 12-DB look that Arizona showed on defense? Offense has looked more stagnant in the past few weeks without him and wondering what the culprit is. Thanks uh, from Sheldon.
2: Well, the offense without Branch against Colorado in the first half looked the best it's looked all year. So I push back a little bit against it dating back to him first being out for for them not being as good. I think yeah, they did have a little bit of trouble getting guys open against Arizona and I think it had a lot to do with Arizona's corners playing really well and they certainly could have used Zachariah Branch in that game. So as the competition gets a little bit better for the defenses USC is going to play, you're going to need Zachariah Branch. So that's why I think him playing this weekend of course is huge. He even though he's only a true freshman I think it's Brendan Rice, Taj Washington, and then he's your third receiver, Zachariah Branch. And his ceiling is maybe higher than both of those guys, so he has the potential to be a number one option. And right now, just because he's young, he's a number three. So I think him not being out, did that affect USC's ability to get open? Absolutely. And they're going to need him coming down the stretch.
1: Yep. Uh, All right. We got another voicemail. Here we go. Hey,
2: guys. It's Giovanni from Long
5: Beach. Please delete my last one. That was a mistake. Um... (laughs) Here's my question. Have you ever seen a Lincoln Riley team come out so flat from the get-go? It felt like from the start of the game, all three phases, right? Offense, defense, special teams, they just didn't seem prepared. And Arizona came ready. And I understand, you know, every team's going to play USC tough. I do understand that. But why are we playing down to our competition at this point? I was in so much shock in the stands watching this game that I couldn't even be mad watching. I was just sitting there awkwardly laughing because I couldn't believe what I was seeing from this team, especially at home. Um, But, I mean, I just hope for something better uh, for the second half of the season because now we are in the toughest part of our schedule and it can really get ugly from here. Um, Thanks for everything you do.
2: I had similar thoughts against Arizona state when USC came out flat. And even though they scored on that first drive, remember they had third and 20 after third a couple of penalties yeah. and the missed tackles. And early in that game, I was like, wow, this is just not what I was expecting at all against Arizona. The 17 and nothing start. Was I totally surprised based on the last couple of weeks, defensive performances? Not really. So I, I get the callers uh, emotions and thoughts there. I had a lot of similar ones a few games before, and I think the hope is you have to hope you never want to accuse a team of looking ahead, but I guess maybe hopefully they were looking ahead to some of these tougher games, and maybe that allowed Arizona to sneak up on them a little bit. That's my only thought as to why they haven't been as to why they weren't prepared in that game. And then I haven't you know I'd have to go back and look at some of the Oklahoma scores. I can't really remember at least in the last couple of years where a USC teams come out that slow, especially against an opponent that they were so uh, so much better than.
1: Yeah, the the Oregon State game last year—that that was probably the worst offensive performance that they had. Um, And the defense kept a minute, got turnovers, and then you know Caleb Williams hit Jordan Addison at the end of the game when it mattered. But that they were not good for the most part of that game, Um, and that
2: was on the road. I I would wonder. About a home game, you know? Yeah. That, that's what was so surprising. Lincoln Riley, it's so hard to win on the road. All, he goes on and on about that. And then Arizona comes in, yeah, punches him right in the mouth.
1: You don't have like there was no well, it's tough to win on the road when you're playing at home. So Yeah. Um this is uh Sorkatese uh, question from YouTube. We could use uh Raleigh's skill set right about now. Any chance he can be utilized, or is it set in stone, he's redshirting.
2: I think it's set in stone, he's redshirting. Could they maybe convince him if they guarantee him a role that changed his mind? Maybe, but I don't envision that happening. I agree. I'm surprised at how the whole thing has been handled with him. Thought he was a solid running back last year. Yeah, did he run maybe a little bit too much east to west and you want him to go more north to south? Fine. But I think as a third down running back, he could have been really good this year. I'm confused as to why they've handled him the way they have to.
1: Because there was was definitely talk about coach sort of bringing him back when Branch got hurt, and I don't know if. What was promised, or what wasn't, or what it just, but it hasn't happened. I heard so. that he was promised some snaps, and then
2: maybe they walked it back later in the week and said, "Oh, actually, not so fast." So I, I don't know. Everything that they've done with him has been a little mystifying. They're six and zero. They've done well so far on offense, specifically without him. Not a huge issue. That's one though. I'm not really sure why they've taken the course of action they have.
1: Yeah, that's kind of a weird one. A lot. Some of the personnel stuff has definitely been weird, weirder than I can remember. Wade, uh, would USC—this is an email—would USC ever consider demoting Alex Grinch and changing play-calling responsibilities? I understand you don't want to just fire a coach who the players seem to like, but a change in play-calling makes a big difference. I do think he's called decent games. Like,
2: the last couple games, can you remember where they've blitzed and it's been like, oh, why would you blitz there? And they just got so burned on a play where maybe it didn't make sense to blitz. I think he's called games better— The players have let him down a little bit. And is that his fault as the guy in charge of the defense? Yes, but it's not like his play calling is a huge issue. Guys are just not in the right spots at times. And Max Williams said yesterday when I asked him, because Lincoln Riley said USC was in some of the perfect play calls early in that game, and the players just let him down, and Max said, yeah, one guy on a couple plays was just in the wrong spot. So that's not really on the play calling. That's on the preparation, which, of course, falls under Grinch as well. But I don't think the play calling has been a huge issue with him the last couple weeks. I think it's some other things.
1: Yeah. To me, it's before there was more about, like, why are you blitzing on that play? And that's happened a few times this year. But there's definitely been situations where, you know, why are these players in a position when you had a big lead in games and one-on-one battles are going on, on the outside and there's no help whatsoever so Damani Jackson misses that tackle and it goes for a touchdown whatever it is it just seemed like there were there were some weird calls where uh or you know this why is Bryson Shaw covering uh Jacob Cowing? you know there's stuff like that was going on it's less about got overly aggressive on a weird down but more about what are they really doing or why are, why is there confusion why is there is that a breakdown or is that just you put these p- players in a bad position so a little bit more some of that but less of the overly aggressive in spots you didn't need to be kind of thing, which we saw more of last year, I think.
2: One thing that is a problem, though, we're continuing to see guys looking at their wristband and then the ball snapped and they're like, okay, you know, snap into action. They could be a lot more prepared on some of these plays, and that does have to do with the play call. It's kind of similar to offense. I think sometimes they want to get the perfect call, and if you just let the guys play football, especially on the defensive side of the ball, just go make a tackle, go cover the guy you're supposed to cover, that could play a big role in them improving. I know way less about football than all those people, but it just is weird to me when a guy is focusing on his wrist instead of his assignment when the ball snapped. That's happened the last couple weeks. I know Shotgun's talked about it a lot, too. That's certainly a problem.
1: No, and I I agree with you, and I feel like sometimes you can be too smart for your own good and you're trying to do uh, the perfect play call. I think Lane Kiffin, when you remember him, his days at USC and stuff, I mean, he was interested in that. you know. And I think there was one – I think it was when he was at Alabama, like, uh, you know, one of their national championship runs, and it might have been like Tua or something, and he's sort of like, he sees the play develop and like puts up, you know, before the ball's thrown, he like puts his hand up, knowing that it was the right play call and it's going to work and it goes for a touchdown. <laughs> um, stuff like that where, and where, you know, you get to the line of scrimmage and you're like, well, it'd be a little bit better. Like, you can get like 5% better if I, if I put this guy in motion and set, set the protection up a little bit differently as opposed to, okay, but, you get, you're going to get a 5% better result, but it's like there's a 25% chance that a lineman's going to move. You know, you get too complicated at the front and your offensive linemen are in their stance and they're, you know, sitting there way too long. And then somebody moves and now you're screwed. And it's like, did you really need to do all that pre, pre-snap pre stuff? Um, did you really need to, like, check with me until the last second? And to the point that a ball is snapped and you're looking at your wrist and now you're in a way worse position. I feel like there's a lot of that kind of going on that – you know, you have better players. Just, like, get them out there. Call a play. If it's not the exact right play, that's okay. Just run it. You know, and feel confident about whatever you're running on the defensive side of the offensive side as opposed to let's try to make it perfect and you're wasting too much time. I mean, that's they, they really did a bad job of that against Arizona State. Um, they got all the pre-snap penalties. They kind of cleaned it up some. But I, we saw some of that against Arizona, even when, you know, Caleb Williams fumbled. the Both times he fumbled, like, you know, running up to the line super fast, and trying to run a play super quick and they that always seem to screw them up. So I, I don't know if you want to do that kind of stuff. Just like get up to the line and run your play. You got better players. It's probably gonna work.
2: I have a tougher time criticizing Lincoln Riley's offensive management than Grinch's defensive management, yes, you know true. what I mean? But you're you're right. I mean the the question was about the defense, but on offense, how about after the Michael Jackson touchdown was overturned? It's first and goal from the one and false start on Jude Wolf because Caleb, for whatever reason, took so long to snap the ball when all you need to do is give it to Marshawn Lloyd. He's going to probably score a touchdown. And yeah. then they had to score. I think it was four plays later because they got backed up and it just took them a little while. That's one I, I tweeted about it in the game. I was like, well, just snap. it. You got the one inch line. Just snap it and you'll score. I don't know why that one took so long.
1: Yeah, that was a very that's a very very weird one. There's been some some weird stuff um, on YouTube. Paul says question. We have a great watch party group here in Nashville, by the way. Cool. Paul, Paul that's not a question. So <laughs> oh, like, that, that was it? <laughs> that was the oh. But if you have to be in uh, Nashville, contact Paul and go to his watch party. Um, here's a. It's a longer voicemail, but I'm going to play it for you because I think it's good. Here you go, Connor.
6: Hey, guys. Uh, first of all, I just want to say what a great job you do. I watch all the stuff from the different resources, and you guys are by far the best and most enjoyable to watch. So thank you for that. So please indulge me. This is a little bit long, but I just want to say that teams that are well-coached show improvement, and this team is regressing. I'm so tired of hearing that USC is circled on everyone's schedule. It's such a ridiculous perspective. Me too. You think Georgia or Michigan or Alabama are all circled as well? Yeah, they seem to get better as the season progresses. I think a lot of fans are getting disenchanted with Lincoln Riley's arrogance. He enters these press conferences defensive and annoyed. It's true that we are undefeated, it's also true that we are lucky to have him as our coach. Yet, that does not make him above reproach. His oceanfront match and, and huge bank account come at a cost, and one of his dues is accountability to the media and the fans. Coaches often talk about, you know, the process leading to the results. The results in terms of wins are great, but the lack of improvement and the, account, and the lack of accountability is striking. I actually agree with Caleb that this isn't just about the defense. The special teams and the offensive line play are getting – Worse and they're just inconsistent. Um, Coach Ruddy always said that he came here to win championships, so he needs to be honest with himself, his assistant coaches, and his players that they are not on a path to any championships this season. Um, Einstein says the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. By that measurement, this may be the most insane season ever. I mean, they continue to ignore what everybody else sees and say the problems are fixable. You can't fix a problem unless you acknowledge it first. And if they have acknowledged the problem and the coaches still can't fix it, changes need to be made. So we all know Grinch won't be fired mid-season, but if he can't figure out what to do, get new coaches involved, uh, even if they're on staff already, to try something different. Um, so anyways, sorry for the long rant, but um, I really do appreciate you guys. Thank you and all the team for all your
1: hard work. That's a great voicemail. Thank you. Yeah, really good call. And
2: if you're on the peristyle, I know people will say, oh, the people on the peristyle are deranged sometimes, and they have all these crazy opinions. That call summarized a lot of what people on the peristyle are trying to say, and it was way more eloquent than <laughs> a lot of the writing that I see. So I I think that call was was really smart, and it was, people feel very strongly about it. And I, I had that same thought about accountability after the game against Arizona. And I just talked about, I compared USC to Georgia, maybe that's Comparing a team that I shouldn't have compared them to, but like if Arizona had gone into Georgia and, and played the same way that they did against USC, what would the comments have been like after the game from the players and coaches? Would they have said our defense won us the game? It's hard to win. You know, we got to celebrate this win. Winning is tough. Or would they have said we won, but there are a lot of things we need to fix, and this wasn't good enough? They, Lincoln Riley and the players said this. There were some things they needed to fix, but no one said that this wasn't good enough. And I kind of think that. USC, Lincoln Riley, of course he cares about style points and he wants it to look good, but I think he values winning, even if it's ugly, a lot more than other coaches do. And maybe behind the scenes he's he's singing a different tune, but that's just not what I've gathered based on everything he said, especially the thing yesterday when he's really defending the defense. It sounds like what he's saying to us is a lot of what he's saying to the team as well.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's a you know, good call, and I feel like you don't want to be too judgy about when you're playing – the the lesser competition. Uh, this, if you can go out and play similar style where you give up late points and you don't tackle that well, but you beat Notre Dame, it's like you have this formula for how you want to this team to be run, and it works against the good teams too. Then okay, you know that's just the way it is. You're not gonna maybe you don't get the style points on defense, and maybe it doesn't look like you would expect a dominating defense performance to to look. But and the if the end of the day it works, it works. Um, But yeah, special teams has been bad. And I tweeted at the end of the game, like, you know, Lincoln Riley needs to put on his Christmas list, a special teams coordinator. He made a choice not to go into the season with one. And I, I, you know, when he told us in the off season about why he was going to keep the staff exactly the same, meaning you're not making a change at the defensive coordinator spot and you're not adding a special teams coordinator. I think his reasons were sound. It made sense. I get why you do them. It doesn't mean like it's gonna work out. I feel like they've had such deficiencies on special teams. It is hurting this team. Now, if you're just dominating and and uh you know outscoring everybody and the defense is playing well, you can have you know given up 10 yards on a weird punt where you tried to tackle the returner into it and you just gave up 10 yards for it. Um, it doesn't matter as much, but it matters in games like this when you're down 17-0. And, you, you know, you acquire the all-Pac-12 punter from last year, and he's just not doing very well. When he has good punts, it's because it rolls for a while. It's not because he just, like, flies through the air and looks amazing. There's something not right. And I'm not saying it, a special teams coordinator would fix it. USC's had special teams coordinators before, and they were bad. Um, and they, they didn't look good. But the feeling I'm getting, maybe you agree, Connor, is, like, I feel like this needs – Oversight, like you need a manager of all of special teams. It's run by a bunch of different people doing different things. I feel like this team would benefit from having someone just looking over the special teams in general. And I, I don't know if you agree.
2: I agree for sure because I feel like USC, of course, has championship aspirations and special teams. You can score points and, and you can prevent points from being. It's a big part of the game when you're at that high high level and you're trying to. To go for a championship, so uh, yeah, I agree. If you believe in pro football focus grades, last year out of all 131 D1 teams, USC special teams was graded the worst, so they <laughs> they couldn't have gotten any worse this year, and they, and they've been much better grade wise because Zachariah Branch has been uh, electric every time he's he's returned a, a punt or or a kick so far, except for maybe the Arizona State game, they beat him up a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean that missed field goal, the high snap, that's just repetition. I don't exactly know why that high snap happened on that exact play. That I don't know if a coordinator w- would be able to change that. That's just you got to practice it, and I'm sure they do practice that all the time. I agree, though. I think when you're a team trying to win at the highest level, you you want to make sure you dot all your I's, you cross all your t's, and a special teams coordinator is a big part of that.
1: Yeah, I would agree there. Um, okay, Tulsa Trojan, we still got a lot to Tulsa Trojan sent this text. Hey, fellas, looking forward to this week's content, trying to not make a hypothetical uh, looking forward to what is the result that empowers Riley to justify keeping Grinch. There are clear ties to Grinch from so many on the staff, all the way back to Leach at Washington State and Emmerich and Odom and Manning, with Emmerich, Odom, and Manning. Um, Given the history, it seems we've somehow created a similar scenario to how USC formally looked at leadership. They kept it in the family. To me, anything short of a Pac-12 championship appearance is automatic. What almost seems like the worst for the future uh, success is to have success this year. While it pains me, I uh, would open the door for a stronger tomorrow, Tulsa Trojan. So I think he's basically saying they should fire Grinch if they don't make the Pac-12 championship. But if they do, I don't really want that because then you keep Grinch, which seems kind of silly. <laughs> if you if you make it the Pac-12 championship, then... Whatever they were doing, they were talking about doing must have worked pretty well. So but they're just made this that's someone that's preconceived notions that like he stinks no matter what, even if they do good. Like and so I think that's sort of what Riley was sort of defending.
2: And I don't think keeping it in the Family, that comparison makes sense when USC keeping it in the family was clearly a disaster. And Lincoln Riley's had a lot of success based on keeping yeah. his coaching staff in the family. Can you nitpick the defense? And has the defense maybe not been as good as a championship team like a Riley at Oklahoma or like a Riley at USC strives to be? Probably, but you got to let him do what he's got to do. He, he's not coming here if he can't pick his defensive coordinator. Like, who, who's going to say, you know you're great on offense, but for you to come to USC, you got we, we, you know, you got to do defense our way. That's just not how it works. So I don't think that comparison is very good. The beauty of these next six games, though, is if it goes really south defensively, I think Riley is sort of backed into a corner and he will have to make a change. And if it gets better, then Grinch will be back. We'll find out all we need to know these next six games. Yeah, that's what I'm looking forward.
1: to. I agree with you. Like, if you this isn't like you know Clay Helton in 2018 or whatever, where. They were obviously terrible and they he signed an extension, so they can't fire him. Um, I think that was 2018. Uh fans flew a banner. Like, you're not gonna have to fly a banner. Like, if the team blows a bunch of games and the, the defense stinks, like Grinch will be back. Like, it's just, you know, it's it's that simple. So I don't think there's any reason that Riley would keep him. People are mad if they kept him, you know, it was year two. Like it's it's more defensible. Like, you just got here, everyone just got here. This was your plan, and you're like, okay, we're going to use this going forward. If the defense continues to stink, then they're going to change the plan. There's, uh, he would, Riley would lose a lot of support if that wasn't the case, and he's a smart guy. He's not going to do that. He had reasons to keep him this year, and I, you know, I, I agree. You know, I, When I listened to what he had to say, made sense, um, but I don't think he'll have any kind of justification if the defense stinks. They lose games, and he wants to keep the same thing going. This isn't like a David Shaw thing where they went 3-9, and nine and he didn't fire anybody. Like, not a single person. Everyone kept their job. Like, you can't do that in major college football and have any level of success. Uh, Kane in the chat uh, in YouTube says, who plays more snaps this week, uh, Bryson Shaw or Max Williams? Bum, bum, bum. Max Williams.
2: If both are healthy, Max usually plays more than Shaw. I hope we start to see more of Zion Branch because I think he's earned a role over Bryson Shaw. Based on what Shaw's done in the last few weeks, I don't know how you can justify continuing to go to
1: him. Yeah, no, I would agree with you there. Um, This is from Chase. I am a USC and 49ers fan and watch both uh, teams play every week. Neither of those teams have uh, lost a game. Uh, So you got that going for you. I can't help but think Lincoln Riley is a poor man's Kyle Shanahan. Okay, both are smart young head coaches and play callers. However, the more I watch... The more I realize how much better of a coach Kyle Shanahan is, well, I mean he's an NFL guy, and it's a it's a different it's like a different sport. It's really hard to compare NFL coaches to. And he's has he has an amazing team. He's a really good head coach in the NFL. Lincoln Riley's a really good coach in college. This is weird. What skills do you think Lincoln Riley still needs to develop to reach the level of someone like Kyle Shanahan? It's it's a different sport, Chase. Like it's completely different. Like as a head, he's forty years old as a head coach, has won four conference championships, got a chance to win another one, three Eisman trophies. He's had the best player in college football three years of his, what, a 7 years coaching, and one had a runner-up. Um, made two college football playoff appearances. Like, he's done – he's had – his resume stacks up better than almost anyone, you know, in college football. So, I you want to compare Kyle Shanahan to – Lincoln-Riley, that's a tough one for me. What do you, sorry, I didn't go off on that. What do you think? It's interesting to think about how the teams
2: are constructed with the 49ers having Brock Purdy but being loaded at all the skill positions. Yeah. USC is loaded too. That, that's certainly an interesting dichotomy. I think Kyle Shanahan has had more success hiring defensive coordinators. Is that fair to you say? You can do, yeah, sure. That, that, that would probably be the only thing that you can compare him Because the games are so different. So, yeah, I I agree. I think it's a tough comparison to make, and I don't watch enough of the 49ers to really talk more about that.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I put the wrong one up there. Let me. uh, uh, All praise to Yah says Kyle blew a 28 point lead, though. Yeah.
2: So, what was that? He was the OC for the Falcons in the... Oh, yeah, yeah. three. I think that's what he's talking
1: about. That's probably what it was, yeah. Oh, you know that one well.
2: Oh, yeah. Shotgun, I know, (laughs) hates that.
1: (laughs) Uh, Very cool, very cool. All right, let's see. Next question. Uh, This is from John in Oakland. Uh, Ryan and Connor, on your podcast last week, there was a listener question about USC's athletic department's efforts in sports psychology uh, that you guys didn't know the answer to USC does have a considerable program and c- committed support for the mental health of its student athletes. So they, he gives a website address where it's usc.edu athletic sp- slash sports psychology. If you guys want to check it out, it might make for an interesting segment. If you could interview Dr. Schofield and get her take on this and how the field may have changed over the years, especially with, uh, NIL and increased visibility of college sports. Thank, uh, fight on from John in Oakland. Yeah, that would be interesting. I can uh, forward you the thing, Connor, or something if you want to check it out. And we could cool. uh, maybe do an interview there. But thank you, uh, John, for that one. Um, Benny says, uh, when are we going to see those stud freshmen back on the field? Zachariah Branch and Deuce Robinson. Deuce has been healthy the whole way. He's played some.
2: Yeah, he hasn't played much, though. I Half expected him to play a little bit more, but I guess when the receiver room's so loaded, I get it. Zachariah, pretty much what I said earlier, right now I'd put it at 50-50.
1: Uh, yeah, I think it's kind of 50-50 there and stuff. Um, okay, we got one more email, and then we'll get to the YouTube stuff, which is a lot coming in there too. Uh, Michael from North Kakalaki, uh, he says, y'all's patience is incredible. Having to deal with all the negative defensive talk and fire Alex Grinch comments all day must be tiring. You know what's not tiring? All this winning USC is doing. Let's go beat the pants off the Irish. Question for y'all. Do you think this is a get-right game for the offensive line? Notre Dame isn't great at pressuring the quarterback statistically. This could open things up in the passing game, which in turn would open up running lanes with safeties and corners uh, for Notre Dame playing soft. Thoughts? The offense could uh, be set with a huge rebound game this Saturday. That's from Michael. Get Right Game, potentially,
2: I think Against Arizona, USC's offensive line played a little bit better than I thought. After watching the game back, I think the receivers were really well covered, and yeah. that had a lot to do with some of the breakdowns. And of course, no offensive line game is perfect. But if you look at the Pro Football Focus numbers, Jonah Monheim and Justin Dietrich were really highly graded. And against Colorado, there was no one on the offensive line yeah. who was graded that high. So I do think there was
1: a couple like three man rushes that got there, and I think that sort of gives you like, oh man, they were bad. But there was a lot of plays that they weren't bad, you know.
2: Yeah, so a get right game is a possible. I think it's tough to have a get right game on the road against a ranked opponent in the rain. So maybe uh, never say never, but I don't look at this game as okay, the offensive line's gonna gonna get it right this week. I I think it's tough to like you wanna have a get right game as the whole team. I don't look at a position group as necessarily having a get right game. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I don't know what you think, Ryan.
1: No, I think I feel like this is one of those things that they literally have the ability to step up. You see Caleb Williams be Caleb Williams. Throwing the ball effectively. Um, The defense makes some good plays. It's, you know, they pressure the quarterback well. It's not necessarily like USC strength. This isn't like a drop back, throw the ball over the field kind of team. Um, They run the ball well. They get the ball to the tight ends. USC hasn't done great at either one of those things. So I think defensively, your philosophy might switch a little bit. But I want to see Caleb Williams come out there, move the offense, um, You know, run the ball, I feel like they could have, you know, just come up and run the ball more against Arizona or been more effective. It just seemed like they were not balanced. They didn't they they just were out of sync a little bit. Get in sync, get it right. Tough environment, rainy. Just go out there and play ball and uh, you know, get those big leads that you had against Tulane and Utah last year and then don't blow them. Like that's what you want to see. I think come out and play well to start and then go from there.
2: Yeah, hot starts important after last week, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. Hot starts haven't always hurt helped USC, you know. Uh, but this after last week, seventeen nothing. You want to do that, uh, Roderick? Question: We are six and zero. Have a top five head coach. When hiring Coach Riley, I expected an 11-2 record every season. Uh, should I be happy or should I expect uh, the unexpected from Riley? I'm not sure. I no. I if you're looking at like people that are saying, oh, Riley's not the right guy. They're not going to win the national championship this year. I'm not sure where they're kind of coming from is the team was bad. I mean, everything was bad. The leadership from the athletic department was bad. Player personnel, depth, like all that stuff. Riley had to come in and like fix a lot of things. You know, they're going to do a new facility. They didn't have like nutrition program, all this. When you have a head coach that's not strong and can't tell you this is what we need to win. You had Clay Helton for all those years. He just kind of went along with whatever – the administration was doing and the administration was terrible so they didn't know what they were doing so it's all that negative all that bad juju energy all that you know the, the horrible decisions just kind of trickled down all the way you have Riley who comes in and knows what it takes to win you know coach under Bob Stoops knows what you know what what a winning program looks like he got to USC and go holy crap how did you even keep this together it's like walking onto a ship and there's leaking everywhere and stuff and you're like why is this thing still even floating um, and then say, okay, here's how we're going to fix the whole ship. We got to do this. We're going to we got to structurally got to do this first. Then we're going to patch this up. And then later on, you're making like the, the tablecloths look nice. So the guests have a, a great place to eat in the, the dining room or whatever, in the ballroom. He had to come in and do all that kind of stuff. And while doing that, while you're like, you also had this pleasure cruise that all these people that were up top didn't realize all the work that's going on and the underneath just to keep the thing floating. And I think he did a good job of that. And they won 11 games, you know, and this year they've, they've won six. I don't think they're a national championship level team, but I didn't expect them to be. I mean, I, I feel like this was a year they could compete for the playoff. They could, they were this close to making the playoffs last year when the defense was that bad and a whole new stuff going on. So maybe that raised the level of expectations for everybody. But this is – he's a 40-year-old head coach in a, you know, a rebuild thing, and the rebuild cycles are shorter – but he proved that he can do it. He went from four and eight to eleven and three. You know, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Um, you know, if they go ten and two and they like, I don't know. I mean, that's still pretty good. Like, I, I expected more from this year, but it's not like they're that far off. If you were like, well, they're not gonna win that they can't beat Georgia, I'm like, no, like nobody can anyway. But USC was awful. And then he's making the better. And then you have to trust that they're gonna keep building on this. And I think that's where some people but yeah, like. Roderick like if if this is not a great year it's not as good as we thought it could be and they go like 10 and 2 and don't make the the Pac-12 championship game You're like all right well I mean it's still pretty you know they'll go to a good bowl game and whatever it's it's not um, not exactly what you want but it's sort of like something else to kind of build on you go through.
2: I don't think expect the unexpected. Expect to win ten or eleven games every year. He won eleven games every year at Oklahoma. Eleven last year. His average as a head coach is eleven. If he falls from that by one game, you're still a double digit winner. So I think the floor for USC is ten wins with him, which is amazing. And yeah, we've nitpick- way better than what it was. <laughs> and we've nitpicked so much on the show because of Caleb Williams and the offense and-, and USC. Maybe this year they could be even a little bit better than eleven wins and and really have a chance to do something special. So I think. Don't expect the unexpected. Expect to get to 10, 11 wins every year. And then the hope is that you can do even better than that. And I think that's why the show has been a little bit negative today. And it's because we have such high expectations for the team. And people say, oh, you're negative. Oh, I don't like what you have to say. And I get a lot of that. It's fine. I can handle it. But the reason sometimes... I criticize is because I think this team with the players and the coach that it has can be really, really good. And right now, these past few weeks, they haven't looked like a really, really good
1: team. Right. And it, we've had some comments in there um, about, oh, they're not going to win 10 games, not with this defense. Do you see what they did last year with the worst defense? So, yes, they can. Like that, You have the best player in college football. You cannot discount that. When he's had off-passing games, he still you know accounts for five touchdowns or yester, you know, uh, over the weekend, he you know, rushes it in three times, basically wills the team to win when he's just not on. He figures things out. Like He gives you a chance in every single game, no matter how horrific the defense plays. The defense last year was god-awful, and he almost just willed those teams to win anyway. If he didn't get hurt, they would have. So to put people that are just like, they're not going to win 10 games. It's like, okay, did you not watch this team at all? Like, this is, they have better players on defense than they did last year. It's not as good. The, the schedule's harder for sure, but they almost did it last year when it, with the worst defense. So and even
2: whatever. if they go 9 and 3 in the regular season, you got a chance to win that 10th game in a bowl game. So they they'll get chances.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh YouTube question, Kenji. Why does our secondary play soft coverage on third and short can't win the down like that? I did see this a bunch of times where it was short, and you're like, guys are giving ten yard cushions, and I'm like, what is going on? Like, yeah, it doesn't. That's part of the thing. Like, were they getting overly aggressive and blitzing too much? No, but some of the scheme stuff or some of the alignment stuff, you're just like, it, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. There was one a couple of games ago where it might have been Colorado. They had three wide receivers to one side of the field. Only two defenders and there was kind of a safety that was near that side of the field. And he went to the other way. So there was literally only two people on that side of the field, despite being three. I've seen stuff like that. And you're like, what is is it just they're not getting the play in? Or are they not reading it right? I do have questions about stuff like that.
2: They're not good on third and short and fourth <laughs> and short. Against Colorado, I think shotgun had the stat. They're like they were like 12 of 14. Colorado was on third and six and shorter. So third and six, that's, you know, third and medium. That's not even third and short. I might have that stat wrong. I have to go back and look, but whatever. It wasn't a very good number. That's certainly an area they need to improve third and short, fourth and short. They have not been very good.
1: They have not. Um, okay, let's pull up. Uh, this is from Kelly question. Seems like we are rotating a lot of players on defense. Do you think that attributes to the inconsistencies?
2: No, I, you always want to rotate the defensive front, the linebacker rotations. I, I guess maybe they're more than you'd like. And then you'd rotate a lot of people in the secondary because of injuries. I don't think so. I think you've had the players you rely on most make some mistakes. So I don't know if the rotating is is to blame. I think it's other causes.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, Mr. Ordinary had a question. Um, I hear a lot of talk about the players and the coaches, but this one is for the fans. Why can't we fill out the Coliseum or show any positivity to our players? And I saw when he put this in there, there were some comments, and I've had people texting me too, like it's about to be kickoff and there's huge lines to still get in. And I I think this kind of got worse after the pandemic, but I don't know if it's got better for USC. Like it's hard to get in there and, um, and it's not as good of a good of an experience. It's just a better experience for people at home. I think the SEC has seen, uh, you know, attendance numbers go down. I think if you're USC, you have to try to make this a. a if if there's anything that's bad about the experience, people are going to remember that, and it's not going to be as good as being on your couch watching four games at once on YouTube TV and drinking your free beer and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like it's one of those things. And I didn't realize that I you know we're we're in the press box three hours earlier or more, um, so we don't know this stuff, but. I was getting texts in this last game about how hard it was to still get in, and you're like, they haven't fixed that yet? Like, that seems like it's a, a problem still.
2: I'll go on a quick rant. I just hate the tickets on the phone thing, and then you don't have service, and maybe you didn't take a screenshot, and you got to log into Ticketmaster. I went to the Rams-Eagles game on Sunday, and the tickets were on the phone. And for whatever reason, my phone – I have the iPhone 13. It's not even the newest one, but my friends who had older phones than me were able to add the ticket to their wallet, and I couldn't. So that's <laughs> – I mean – I. You were talking about USC. This is just a ticket thing. I, I just hate the way tickets are now. I used to like to, you know, you, you have the paper ticket that you keep the stub and you, you hang it on the wall you keep it for your collection or something. I don't know why we went away from those paper tickets and why everything's digital.
1: I guess that makes me an old man maybe, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is the last person I, think I hear that from. I'm kind of used to it now because I, I end up going to a lot of Laker games and I just like add it to my wallet and it's just sort of like easy uh, to kind of get in there. But yeah, it's, it's weird. Like not like, if you have a, a classic game, that is, like, how do you save your ticket stuff Like it's you look in your Apple wallet or whatever, but um, yeah. All right. This one is from Blackie Chan who we met uh, in Colorado. Uh, do you agree this team last year would have lost that three OT game? I think so. I kind of think so because I don't feel like they would have kept, the team into it when it was 17 nothing. Um, they this Last year, they would have had that interception, but they wouldn't have got the couple of stops. There was one three and out. I don't think they would have forced the 50-yard field goal. They probably would have got the pick because they were good at getting, but I don't think they would have uh, got some of those stops. So then I think USC's down. When that fumble happens, I think USC's down uh, even more after that. So, yeah. Yeah. I think last year they would probably lose that game.
2: I agree.
1: Uh, This is from Mr. Ordinary again. Uh, This question is, uh, why are fans willing uh, to throw away? He's like really into the fans being negative. Why are our fans willing to throw away the season just to prove a point? We can't even fill the Coliseum to show support. So we kind of talked about that a little bit, but there are definitely fans that would rather be right than the team win. If they say, I don't like Alex Grinch... You're rooting, you're almost like rooting for the team to lose. So you, you those know, are see, bad I, fans. so I told you they're bad. You know,
2: yeah, those are bad fans, though. Um, and I, you know, I just think people are seeing like warning signs for losses coming because they haven't looked very good the last three weeks. So people are getting upset. And yeah, online, have I seen way too dramatic comments for sure. I just, I just think people are reacting to what they've seen the last few weeks. The record is really good, but the style points and how they've won these games hasn't been and. A lot of the comments are correct, I think. And then there's a whole other sphere where it's way too over the top. So I do think collectively the fan base would be better off taking a chill pill. But if it's a big loss this weekend, then everything's just going to ratchet up more.
1: Yeah. Paul. So Paul, we kind of made fun of earlier, or I did. Um, he, he, I guess it was premature hit return or something on uh-huh. this question. <laughs> so he says they have a watch party in Nashville, by the way. But he went on, and the next comment, I guess he hit return instead, he says, anybody asked why Shaw was matched up where he was on that key play and about and about uh, Cobb, and, and about the Cobb, who is a beast and not the problem uh, TD? Uh, the, the, the Cobb, even,
2: Cobb was in coverage on that first touchdown, and okay. that was just a bust. The Shaw, and I was going to ask about that, they're very strict with how many questions Alex Grinch gets. He gets four questions pretty much, and then he's done. So I asked one about... Lincoln Riley having the perfect saying they had the perfect play calls and the player's not executing. And I asked why, and he kind of gave a lot of coach speak. If I could have asked another one, that was going to be my next one coming out of the timeout. They have this great receiver. Why did you feel like Bryson Shaw was the best matchup in that situation? I think that's an excellent question. And hopefully I can get an answer on that later on.
1: Yeah, man, we had a lot of questions. Uh, This is a comment. Uh, It's really hard to read the uh, it's like a whole bunch of emojis and stuff, but anyway, he says people in here act like other teams are freaking perfect while we have a bad defense. A BS narrative. And I want to address this because it is true. I feel like you know, on the Peristyle or like USC fans like it becomes very insular like you just don't you don't even know what's going on outside of your world. And someone came on the Peristyle and posted, you know, oh, we're going to go to Notre Dame. And they're like literally our defense stinks. Notre Dame's just going to kill us and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, Notre Dame's lost two games already. Uh, they just lost to Louisville. Looked pretty bad doing it. On the the Notre Dame 24-7 sports message board, there's all this talk about firing the head coach and USC's going to win by 100. And So the Notre Dame fan base thinks that USC's going to come in there and absolutely destroy them or at least a portion of them. And the USC fan base thinks, oh, there's no shot. Like, they're never going to win in South Bend. It's it's pretty funny because, like, well, both of them can't be right. You just sort of know your team. You know your own deficiencies. And then you assume everyone you play is going to be um, the 85 Bears, and then you're going to die. And it's, like, it's just kind of funny. It's, like, you have, you have Caleb Williams. Everyone that you play is, like, holy shit, we have to play Caleb Williams. Like, think about that. Like, every single team you play – they're going, holy shit, we got to play against Caleb Williams. Like, just take that into consideration before you're like, oh, we're going to lose by a million. You might lose. Like, you're going to lose games, like it's college football, whatever. But you don't lose sight of the great things that you have. And you have the best player in the game. And like I said a million times, he gives you a chance in every single game you play. When, what was it? Uh, there was like a fourth down thing. or I, Man, it might have been in the NFL or whatever one of the comments I love is like, you always want to do what, what does your opponent want you to do? You know, where they're like, Oh, should we kick the field goal here? And then try to get a stop and then get the ball back or just go for it on fourth and one, you know, does your, your opponent would be dreading. If you go for it on fourth and one, they would much rather you try to kick the field goal yet. People do what the opponent would rather them do as opposed to they're dreading facing Caleb Williams. And I think you just have to kind of keep that in mind. Um, they don't want to play him. They know how special he is. They know he could just go off and do crazy, crazy good things. So maybe as a USC fan, just sort of keep that in mind a little bit that everyone else you play isn't like Oregon. They're like, Oregon should have lost on the road when they played Texas Tech against their old quarterback, Tyler Shook, you know, they should have lost that game and they didn't. Any team can play up, down. They can look great. You know, Oregon looked the best they've looked when they beat the crap out of Colorado and that's probably the worst they looked. You don't say that this is the way Oregon is all the time. that was where they were that week. They might play that way against USC or they might play, you know, what the way they played against Texas Tech. It's just hard to say, but you don't give I mean, you want to you don't, you don't want to underestimate opponents, but you can't make them all um the 85 Bears. That's my little rant.
2: It is funny. You're absolutely right. Both fan bases are not happy right now. And Notre Dame has two losses, USC is undefeated. So who would you rather be? <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, I mean Notre Dame had a good shot to beat Ohio State and probably should have, and didn't. Um, USC's got their shots now, you know. So you have, and they're they're tough ones. Um, I mean, I think Notre Dame's thought they're going to be a little better, and then they're they're probably about where I thought they would be. I thought they'd be a good team, but like nine and three ish, and they they kind of look like that. They still got to play Clemson. Um, UCLA has not a tough schedule. And I thought the defense would kind of take a step back. But um, Lynn, the defensive coordinator, is doing a really good job. They're going to have a hard time keeping him. Uh, the run game's been okay. like they, they ran the ball consistently last week, but it wasn't like explosive run plays. You got a freshman quarterback that's going to make mistakes. Like, you know, They're but they're probably going to win 10 games or something. Or, you know, they don't have a lot of tough teams. You know, if they can beat USC, they're going to be really good. But USC's got all these chances to beat you know, Notre Dame, Utah, Oregon, Washington, UCLA. It's like, you're going to build momentum. Like you're going to feel much better this weekend. If USC seven and zero, this chat's going to be completely different. Even if they kind of stink, even if they give up, like if it's 51 50, I don't care. Like it's going to feel different being seven and zero and a win over Notre Dame. And it's not a win over like Arizona state or Stanford. It's this is Notre Dame. You're like, wow, we had problems, but we did win. We beat Notre Dame. Now we could beat Utah, and we'll see what happens. If if Cam Rising doesn't play this weekend, um, they play uh, Arizona. Yeah, they play. Oh, they play Cal this weekend. If Cam Rising doesn't play, coming off the bye week, even if he comes back for USC, like you don't want to see that. Your like it can't be your first game. Like he's not going to be that effective one game back. That's huge. If you have no Cam Rising in LA, like I think you got to feel really good. USC is probably more than a touchdown favorite in that game. So then you're like, it's a whole different story at that point. So this one's huge. It's a huge game. There's a lot of huge games coming up. So I wouldn't like just say, oh, because USC's defense is bad, everyone's going to beat them 100 to nothing. Like that's just not not reality. I agree. Yeah, this is my like uh, my little rant there. I go on a lot of rants. You know what happens? It's my show. I can do exactly. what I want. That's fine. Uh, I can do what. Someone commented like, why did the host like? Read all the questions. I read every single thing. There was just the one guy forgot the the rest of his questions. So I you know, I only I didn't see the the new one yet. He had to update it. Um but yeah, anyway. Well, Connor, are you ready for like a trip to uh South Bend? I'm excited. My family's gonna come too.
2: My sister, mom, and dad. It's my dad's birthday, so it's gonna be a family affair. I can't wait.
1: Happy birthday, Papa Triple Double. That's cool.
2: <laughs> I'll pass that Do along. Do you want to call him Papa Triple Double Triple I, Double? I've never called him that uh in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you can.
1: Yeah, I guess so. I'll, we'll maybe maybe sti- I'll stick with dad. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if it sticks. Um, but a great show. Thank you everyone, uh, for tuning in so many questions, but thank yeah, I mean, we, I know it takes time out of your day to write a question or leave a voicemail or, or watch us live in the chat and everything. So we appreciate you, uh, all doing that and, uh, you know, value your opinions. Hope you value ours and, uh, you like what they have to say, but it's, Harvey Hyde says it. it's just our opinion. We're going to tell you what we think. And it might change a lot this weekend. If Like, if USC goes in and loses by 14 against Notre Dame, I mean, it's like, I feel like I'm still giving the benefit of the doubt in the back of my head. That changes, you know, because then it's like, all right, they're going to have a really tough stretch. And uh, But I my gut is they're going to play well uh, this weekend against Notre Dame. But I thought they'd play well against Arizona. They did not. So we'll see.
2: I'm sick of them making me look bad. I thought they were going to bounce back against Arizona and that didn't happen. So I need to see it until I can prove it. Thing, definitively, yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. All right. Well, that's going to wrap things up uh, for Connor Morissette. Uh, I am Ryan Abraham, Ryan Abraham. gonna say my own name? Right. Hope you guys enjoyed the show and we will talk to you next time.
0: If it seems like the crew at your neighborhood trader Joe's is having fun. It's probably because we are.
3: And now we're having fun on a
0: podcast too called Inside Trader Joe's. Let's talk about what makes Trader Joe's Trader Joe's. The products, the customers, the crew. Why is everybody so nice? Because they are. Because they are. Inside Trader Joe's is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. And thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com.